Hello, welcome to Cafe with Strangers. I am your host, Monica, and welcome to season two. Um, my first guest, I will go ahead and let her introduce herself. So my name is Gabriela Lopez, and I go by Gabby. Um, I am, what do I, what do I say about myself? <laughs> I'm 29 years old, which is weird. Um, I'm originally from the Bronx, New York City. And I'm currently a PhD student at Northwestern, um, doing a PhD in neuroscience. <laughs> just my brain just thinks of <laughs> anyone who's pursuing any, because I only got an associate. So anyone that pursues anything else than that, I'm just like, wow, good for you. <laughs> Honestly, it's just like it's me being a tryhard, like why am I doing so much education I'm, I'm a nerd probably but like not even yeah <laughs> I'm too afraid of the real world so I just stay in school um all right so you're from the Bronx how was it like growing up there for you I've never been to New York it was great um I grew up kind of more uh north side of the Bronx um I was a bit of a homebody, I would say, growing up. Uh, I would go to school and come home. They would joke around my family that, like, I often was in my cave, which just meant, like, me in my room reading some kind of book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it wasn't maybe until high school that I started to, like, do more things outside. And what's really funny is that I would often, like, lie and say that I was doing I mean it was like half truth half lies you know yeah. like sprinkled fibs where I would say that I was doing some kind of after school thing which I was but then I would go do stuff with friends and I'm like yeah I'm still in this after school thing but no I was just like doing god knows what but yeah no growing up I lived with my mom and dad and my brother and sister. I'm the youngest. Um, and I would kind of say that I often felt like the oddball in the family. Um, so my parents, they are both from the Dominican Republic. Uh, the, they immigrated here when my mom was in her 20s and my dad was in his 30s. And Dominicans have this reputation for being very loud and boisterous, and my family very much <laughs> embodies that. Mm -hmm. um, and even my siblings are very, like, talkative, personable, like, outgoing. And then I was always this quiet one in the corner. Um, my family members would, like, have this thing where they always do this little wave because that was how I said hi to everybody whereas everyone else is giving each other hugs and kisses and I'm just like okay hi yeah <laughs> um, and also because I always have a very like low kind of voice if people would like be like this is Gabby and this is how I speak <laughs> um, but I think that kind of experience was there's like pros and cons to it um I would say that I actually didn't realize kind of how much I would miss that kind of thing once I like got older and went to college in a primarily white institution that I actually felt like I was becoming that those aspects of myself didn't come out until I was there somehow in college I was just like 
now I'm going to talk more and like do more things. I don't know why I wasn't doing it around family. I think I was just like so shy and self-conscious about it. And then once I was like away from that, I was just like, yeah, like freedom. Now I, now I'm just like them somehow. (laughs) Um, But no, I was really like, I grew up that I love for my fight with my family. Like I'm really grateful to be able to have had my whole family with me. We used to spend our summers in the Dominican Republic up until I was in high school because the whole obsession was like, do internships so that you can get into a good college. So I stopped like going in the summers like that. And yeah, I mean, I it, it was just interesting. Like my mom um, used to work in um like maintenance she used to clean offices and like schools and stuff when I was growing up and then my dad was a taxi driver and so I rarely actually got to see my mom because she would work night like afternoon nights Mm -hmm. um while I was usually in school and then my dad would work during the day and then be home in the afternoon so like I mostly saw my mom on the weekends but it still felt like she was like always there no matter Mm -hmm. like what, even though I didn't actually get to see her as much during the week. And my dad has a similar, Oh, I guess I have a similar demeanor to my dad (laughs) because um, of the two, he is like kind of more like the quiet pensive one. Whereas like my mom is, has always been kind of more outgoing and boisterous, which I think is so funny because they told me, that before she came to the United States, she actually was very quiet and shy. And then she moved here on her own and had to kind of basically figure out how to survive in this new country where she didn't speak the language. And that completely switched her like personality, literally just for survival. So I think it's like just so interesting growing up like in this dynamic of like my parents just like working crazy hard to make sure that my siblings and I have what we need kind of feeling like a weird oddball because like I was the quiet one in the corner reading books while like everyone else is just like loud and partying and talking and I'm like I don't want to talk to nobody leave me alone (laughs) (laughs) I Uh, so understand that and, and then um realizing that like I kind of felt growing up like I wish I could be like them but at the same time mad that I felt like they weren't accepting of the fact that I was quieter and I I feel like they like I say they weren't accepting but I think that's just me internalizing their like silly jokes Mm -hmm. about how quiet I was as like you guys don't like me (laughs) and then I left for undergrad and I was like, wait, like, I really miss you guys. And I actually realized that you guys were, you guys didn't hate me. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it was just like teenage angst and misunderstandings that were happening. Growing up in the Bronx itself, like, I feel like it's so funny because people have this like thought process, like, oh my God, the Bronx, like, where there shootouts every day, where you say, Like, I don't know what the movies are out here showing people. Um, There's danger literally in every city. I don't see anywhere. Like, Mm -hmm. 
as long as you know where to go, you know how to avoid the insanity. I, but I would say for the most part, like, there are things that I remember that, like, in for a lot of people that I went to, like, college or even now in grad school, I say it, and they're just like, excuse me, what? <laughs> like, the fact that um, I went to high school with, like, the had metal detectors, so, like, I didn't know what having a, a phone at school was like because we couldn't take our phones to school there was um i almost never went to school on halloween because um there were often like uh, these kind of initiation things for gangs where they would like attack people and um my parents were basically like we better off you just like not going (laughs) so that you you know don't get attacked basically and like just like things that happened like in my high school just that like it's 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 the issue of just like growing up in this like low-income space where people are trying to do what they can to survive Mm -hmm. and sometimes violence ensues in that space and it's like not their fault it's just like what they need to do to survive and it wasn't all the time though like like every once in a while something weird is happening and to me it was more like you know this community is lacking the resources that they need and that's sometimes people just do things that they need to do in order to survive but I felt like I was like I still felt able to do what I needed to do to live a happy life and continue on you know like I wasn't like fearing for my life every day and that's partially because you know I grew up with like a with my family that um was able to provide me with things and I was like lucky to be part of um different like schools and programs that like provide me with resources and stuff to do what I needed to do on like the academic front because I was basically my head buried in books all the time so living in the Bronx, um, again, never happened there. I all I know is that there is it's it's diverse, kind of like the Bay Area is. So growing up, did you um, were there like? I guess how was the environment of like where you grew up in terms of like um, other people from other ethnicities, other countries, and stuff like that? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Bronx is super diverse. Um, I can think about on my block alone, like you it was like heavily um latino and african-american and like other caribbean identifying places and in like growing up i was always just used to meeting people from different cultures like in middle school my like set of group of friends was like a mixture of like like people like descendants from vietnamese families um, from other East Asian cultures and Middle Eastern cultures, um, most most of the European cultures were mostly like Eastern Europeans, so like Albanian um, descendants, and you have like a lot of Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, Jamaicans, just like a huge combination of different cultures. Where I never felt like I culturally stood out because there were so many different identities and cultures around me that it didn't 
like I didn't realize how much of that um, was different until I went to college. Because I feel like I have to compare everything to college because in college it was just like, whoop, yeah. 180, hold on. <laughs> like, this is not what it like, what the, these places are like. It's not like this everywhere. Yeah. Because now I was like one of very few um, when I went to college. But, but yeah, in the Bronx back home, like, you could walk down the block and have so many different cultural restaurants just like around you can easily find them and like people are always like out on the block like playing music like i remember in the summers you would have the hydrant on and like people would like go and like like play by the hydrant like the kids um and there's always like just like usually like the older folks just like sitting outside, either on the stoop or on chairs by the building, playing music. Yeah, no, it's in terms of culture, like it was like all over the place. So I feel like nowadays I have like there's a lack of that in my life. <laughs> um, that when I when I talk to my family back home or when I do visit. Like, they're like, oh, you haven't heard that song by so-and-so? I'm like, no, man. All I be listening to nowadays is, like, whatever is, I don't know, like, <laughs> the hot yeah. whatever on Spotify, which is, like, I'm, like, trying to think, like, whatever Taylor Swift is and, like, <laughs> something else. I mean, granted, I do look for my own music yeah. um, that is, like, not in the top 100s or whatever. But in terms of just like running into that kind of music with friends, I'm not, with family, like whatever, um, on the block, like you're not, I don't get that yeah. anymore because I'm not in that space. Like in Chicago here, my neighborhood is hella white. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even like emphasize how white it is. Um, but it's also like very quiet. That's something else that I'm still not used to. Like, back home in the Bronx, like, it's always, like, people talking in the streets, people, like, either, like, yelling or, like, the sirens, like, sun's happening. And when I come when I come here to Chicago, to where I live, it's just, like, like, so quiet that I can hear my thoughts. And, like, it's just, like, I literally have, a air purifier that I keep on for the white noise because it's like it's too quiet. <laughs> like I can't do this. Um, people like they're like, oh, you should just like put New York sounds on like YouTube. <laughs> just like I guess I could. Seems kind of weird to do. Um, but yeah, like there was always like just like live like liveliness and like things happening growing up and. You don't really like appreciate those things until you get out of it, which I hate. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fact usually. Um, but so when I do go like home for like the holidays, usually it's just like kind of going back to that spot I was at before, like left. Um, and just realizing how much like. I, I miss all of that 
bustle and like craziness. I wrote down something else and I was like, I was going to ask something else. I'm trying to keep it like coherent, coherent. I'm trying not to go into my own tangents. Um, so and I went we, on like a million tangents. So that's okay. It's okay. I can follow them. <laughs> <laughs> so your first time pretty much exper- experiencing culture shock was when you went for, for college. Did you go to college right after like high school pretty much? Yeah. Okay. What, what Do you like recall any moments or a moment where you had that realization? I was like, I feel like I'm in a different world or like it clicked in your head. Like I'm not, I'm not back home. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Cause there's a story that I tell everybody <laughs> because like to this day, I'm like, what? I was in this like computer lab one day. Um, and we were just like doing a bunch, like, I don't know. We were just like all there doing things. And I overhear, a conversation between two girls and um one of them was like oh man like now i gotta memorize um this new credit card number and i was just like what <laughs> just like what what do, you, what do you mean and then comes to to like what ends up happening is that like she's talking about the fact that her father got a new credit card and now she has to memorize a new credit card number so that she can just like go buy whatever like she wants. Like she's out here complaining about having to memorize a set of numbers <laughs> because <laughs> she now like, now this is somehow the most difficult thing that she has to do. And she was like, like she was like sounding really frustrated. And I'm just like, I'm out here trying to figure out how I'm gonna pay the rest of my tuition because my scholarship is not like covering what now is the new price of the university and I'm gonna have to make it up with like more work study mm-hmm. and homegirls out here <laughs> worried about memorizing some new credit card numbers <laughs> and I was like okay cool cool <laughs> this is nice <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think about how hearing that around that like that age because we're around the same age I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to imagine how I would take that and how surprised I would also be so I never got I think I got my first credit card after college Mm -hmm. um my so I like when I went to college I was on um I got like grants and scholarships and I had to also do work study kind of to make up the difference because every time, every year the tuition and stuff would go up, but it wasn't like they were giving me more money to cover mm-hmm. them. <laughs> and I know that they would try and get students to um, take out credit cards at that time in order to help pay for for university. But um, my parents didn't necessarily want me to just because like it was going to be hard to be able to keep up with payments and whatnot. So I didn't end up having a card till um, after. And so to me, like, even in college, like, the idea of, like, credit cards and stuff were kind of like, you have to be a real adult to have one. So it's like that compacted with, like, my own financial, like, struggles to just be at the university. So, like, to hear that, I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, girl. 
Like, really? <laughs> like, this is your concern? Oh, man. I get that. And so you're first generation because mm-hmm. you were born here. And do you recall, like, any struggles or any kind of differences with growing up first gen that maybe other um, people around you didn't realize it or didn't have to do the same things that you had to? Um, I mean, there's that like quintessential example of like having to translate things to your parents and somehow having to be an expert in things that you are not because um, like if they get a phone call in terms of like healthcare or like taxes or something, like suddenly now you're the phone operator, you're the translator, you're the tax expert. And it's just like, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> what? And so what's really, I guess, an interesting thing with my family dynamic is that um, my sister and brother, they were in ESL classes um, kind of up until a certain mm-hmm. point in elementary school. But I was essentially straight into just like English classes. So growing up, I always felt like I knew less Spanish than them. And that actually has, if anything, become more heightened as I got older and like slept, like moved away from home. Like even though I did have to do some of those things growing up, I feel like my sister, my brother kind of did more of that, my sister more so she's the oldest and it was kind of this constant struggle of like I want to speak Spanish as well as you guys do but I don't speak it unless I'm home and Mm -hmm. it was like this frustrating thing of like wanting to do better like wanting to practice that better and then I went to college and that like language difference became just like a thousand percent heightened where it got to the point that I felt like in college that I couldn't speak Spanish really much anymore like I even nowadays like I say like I the moment I pick up the phone I talk to my family it's like comes back a hundred like I didn't have to think about it but the moment I like meet people who are speaking Spanish around me that are not family it's like i freeze and panic and I'm just like am I gonna use the right word is that a word I don't know what's happening (laughs) and I second guess myself um to the point where I'm just like I don't like I'm shy I don't like even want to try to speak it um in college I tried to combat that by taking like upper level Spanish classes which actually did help like that one year I was taking those classes I like felt like this brand new Gabby who now is like mastering both languages (laughs) but then like I wasn't taking those classes and eventually like a year later on when I moved here for grad school it was like I was back in that place of like what what is my Spanish when it's not family honestly actually yesterday I was doing this like um dance video thing that I was part of and I spoke Spanish, like, I said, like, a few words. And one of the girls was like, wait, you speak Spanish? <laughs> and, like, I don't know why internally I was like, duh. <laughs> but then I was like, I literally never spoke it to them. So how would they have known? <laughs> like, how, could, how, how could they assume 
if I never even said it. Um, so it's like I'm, I'm going back and forth between losing, like I feel like I'm losing a part of my identity because I don't get to say it all, like I don't get to practice it all the time. But at the same time, I could totally, like I can put myself in situations where I could practice it more and I'm like not doing that all the time either. So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like it's like there's, I know that can happen a lot with like first gen students, especially like people, especially if you go into a space where you don't get the chance to talk about, like to speak it and practice it as much. But yeah, it's been, it's been like front of mind for sure, especially lately um, when I'm hearing people speak Spanish around me and I really want to like participate, but then I'm like, wait, so I don't want to sound stupid <laughs> trying to like talk around them. I get that. Um, and you said you used to visit the Dominican Republic every mm-hmm. summer or up until like high school and everything yeah. like that. Um, how was that like going going there for the summers and then coming back? Do you like the times that you spent there, do you remember, does anything kind of stand out for you or like what do you miss the most from there? Like what were like the like memories that you think of when you think of your summers there? Yeah, no, like it was always just so much fun. We used to spend most of our time uh, staying with uh, my mother's side of the family. Um, they live in this uh, town called Jarabacoa, which is like super mountainous. It's not as hot all the time as some of the other parts of the Dominican Republic. Um, and it was just like spending time with our cousins and like the local um, people who live in the area. Um, Everyone knew my grandma and like would always come visit. Um, so we used to like do uh, trips. So we go like swim in the river. It's actually like where I learned how to swim. Um, there would always be like parties all the time. Um, and yeah, it was like visiting family that I don't, I wouldn't ever see unless I was there. Um, and just like, just like partying and happiness and a lot of really good food and just um I don't even know like it it was just like always a positive experience I don't think I've ever I, I could ever remember anything bad um about going to the Northern Republic to visit family and then coming back it never really felt like I'm suddenly in a transported to a different world and I think it's because like we grew up with the Dominican culture like at the house. So it wasn't like um, I'm suddenly like not speaking the, like the language isn't being spoken around me or the music isn't being done around me or the food isn't being, I mean, the food is just a little different because like you're not getting yeah. like the, the avocados. Well, actually my mom used to like bring some of the stuff in her suitcases, but <laughs> um, you're not getting them like straight from, you know, the trees and like, mm-hmm. you know, but it was always just so nice to be very free is what I would like to describe it because while growing up in New York City, you're like, you're like in your apartment, or at least for me, like I was like out here in my apartment all the time, um, wouldn't go outside that much um, just because like my parents are always just like, you know, you're this like young lady, something can happen to you, you can't be in the streets. Whereas, like, in DR, like, everything was just, like, you could play around outside, run around, like, whatever, and, like, 
you have this big patio, like it's like just like a house with like so much room for activities. <laughs> like so you're encouraged to be more free in that regard. So yeah, I really I really liked going every summer. But so I stopped going at the like right before I started high school. And then I think I went like seven years without going. Um and then that time I went back um again. It was so weird because now everyone was like all the kids and stuff that we used to hang out with were grown up. Um and it was kind of like this bit of a cultural shift in the sense of like in a lot of um the places that my family grew up in, like it was normal to like um get married and have kids um kind of like in your early 20s and i'm coming back like single childless like kind of with this memory of like going and like having fun like hanging out and doing all these things but the people i used to do that with either like have moved to a different like area um are now like you know responsible adults with families that can't necessarily do all the things or it's just like not a thing that we like do anymore because we're not kids anymore and so it was just like i don't know like it was just like a very different experience it just made me realize just like how things change when you get older and not that like we don't have that much fun anymore but it's like a different kind of fun <laughs> oh, yeah. okay so you are going to school and the neuroscience and smart stuff <laughs> how was that uh, how was that for you is that something that you knew you always wanted to like pursue to college or you know um what was like how did you get into the, the neurosciencey yeah. field oh well, yeah for sure so when i went to college i like always had an interest in like trying to understand like behavior basically like why people act certain ways um which i think stems a little bit into like the whole idea of like me feeling like an oddball in my own family um and trying to like understand like okay why even though we're literally in the same space like why am i different or why do i act different and feel different than like everyone else around me so I thought that I wanted to go do psychology, but I also like really enjoyed things like biology and chemistry and whatnot. Even though I wasn't necessarily amazing at chemistry, I still liked it. <laughs> um, and so my college advisor in high school uh, told me about um, what he, well, at the time I think he used the term like, or I saw this book that used the term like biopsychology, but I discovered like, this term neuroscience and I was like what is this and then they were like it's a combination of like all these things and I was like what crazy um and my um high school had a partnership um with the college I ultimately went to and they had a professor kind of come in and do this little activity so I was taking AP bio at the time and uh they had us dissect a kawaii. This was very exciting for me 
I know it's not very exciting for many other people, <laughs> but I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I want to do this. Um, and he told us about the neuroscience program at um, the school I went to. And I was like, I'm sold. Like, let's go. And I applied. I got in. And uh, they had this, like, admitted students uh, visiting, like, weekend. And when I went, I was just like, I love this. This is great. And I legitimately, like, signed the paper to say that I was going without telling my parents. <laughs> so, like, I was like, I'm ready. I'm out. And the mm -hmm. only reason I did feel comfortable doing that was because I knew, like, financially I was covered. Um, because otherwise it would have been a whole situation. Um, but yeah, no, I got to, I got to um, undergrad. I had this idea of going to medical school uh, to study, like to become like a, neuro a neurologist or a psychiatrist. Um, mm -hmm. Mostly because I actually didn't know otherwise. Like I didn't, I, to me, the idea was like, if you wanted to do, some kind of research or to like do anything related to um, human health and behavior you like had to go to medical school and be a physician yeah. like that's all I knew until I went to I went to undergrad and while I was there um, that same professor who did that demonstration in my high school he told me about um, research that he was doing like in a lab like he had a small lab at the university and um I was like, this is really cool. Like, I want to try it. And through, like, working with him and, like, learn, like taking the other classes that I was doing, um, I learned about, like, lab research and learned about doing a PhD and got the chance to, like, do internships where I got to do research and, the, and did research on campus. And then I went from, like, pre-med and, like, I'm going to go to med school to, like, ah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and I got to the point where I, like, I knew that neuroscience, like, was my interest, but I now didn't know what I kind of wanted to do with it. So I ended up applying to work as a, like, research technician at a lab for two years after I graduated undergrad. It was a very, like, left field topic. <laughs> Um, very, like, it was, like, now I think about it, it's, like, neuroscience adjacent. It was more, like, developmental kidney research. It was, like, not at all what I had, um, any experience in from, like, what I had done, um, at the lab, at the lab in my university. So, after graduating undergrad, I got a position as a research technician at a kidney development research lab. So it was very like out of the scope of what I had mm -hmm. myself done um, in undergrad. And I was like, why do y'all hire me? I'm confused. But <laughs> in hindsight, like a lot of these technician types of positions is more so that you can learn mm -hmm. if you're teachable, like you can learn these techniques and these skills. Uh, and I and I already had some experience within a lab. So I can kind of like see how it's like, okay, you might not have the exact technical skills for this field, but you seem like you have interest in research and you seem like potentially teachable. Yeah. 
for these skills. So I'm like eternally grateful for that opportunity. I was in a very small lab. It was like four or five of us. Um, and I was working alongside most of the time with um, this mentor who he was um, himself, like he immigrated, I believe, from Ecuador. And he had like a PhD. And the other technician who I worked a lot with, so also, like they were also all from New York, which is like, I love that. And he comes from like a family, a lot of people who were in the medical field and he himself wanted to go into medical school. So it's kind of like this perfect storm of like having two, both sides of like what I was interested in. And it was being within a medical school because I was doing research at a medical school. Um, I tried to kind of use the opportunity to help me decide, like, do I go to grad school to get a PhD? Or do I go to med school to continue like that route? And working with them and like talking with them and just like kind of seeing also like I'm in a lab, like I get to actually experience what a day to day lab environment is like. Um, in undergrad, I did a few uh, summer internships like at hospitals and I did that um, a few times in high school as well. I felt like I didn't have enough of that experience of being in a lab. So like this was kind of like my opportunity to do it. And it, in the end, like, I decided, you know what, like, this research thing is, is more my vibe. No offense to the physicians out there, but I was like, I don't know if I want to see patients. <laughs> just like, mm. let me, let me talk, let me just hang out with animals real quick. <laughs> um, I, I feel, I feel like I could do this. So I ended up applying for grad school. And I, in the end, like, was choosing between three different places. Two of them, funny enough, in Chicago and one of them back home in New York. My mom was like, please stay. And I was like, but. <laughs> um, mostly because, like, well, in my mind, like, where I go to now for grad school, like, that name has a lot of weight to it. And not that the school that I was considering in New York didn't, but like, if I like, at the time, like comparing them in my mind, this this school had more like of a notoriety to it. And I was like, ooh, like to get a degree from here, I'm set for life type vibe. And um, I also was like, when else will I get to like experience living in a new place? and be paid for it. Because the one thing about these like STEM PhD programs is that you are getting paid to go to school. Mm-hmm. Whether the amount they pay us is reasonable <laughs> is the question, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but at the time, it was like an amount of money to me that was like, oh my God, like this is great. Like coming from um like okay now I think about it I actually made more as a tech than I do now <laughs> just the idea of being paid yeah. to go to school versus like having to pay to go to school for med school like that definitely was a huge driver for me as well like I would have not been able to afford to go to medical school and who knows how long I would have spent like paying for it they're like oh but like you'll make a lot as a physician and like you'll pay it off easily but 
I don't know. It just seemed so scary versus like you're going to school, you're getting paid, and then like you leave without that debt. Mm -hmm. Like that sounded really enticing. Aside from like just generally having more interest in being in a lab. But my journey <laughs> has been interesting. Um, not very easy, uh, to say the least. <laughs> when I when I started grad school, I started in like 2017. I like we started by taking a lot of classes and at first like some classes were like manageable, like thankfully because I had taken um, because of my major, like I had taken a couple of classes that had aspects of um, things in these classes. I'm like, I was doing okay. But then in the middle of my first year, um, my dad ended up having to get open heart surgery. And that really like threw me for a loop. Like, um, I was doing okay in classes. I wasn't doing like amazing. Like I had to have a tutor because um, there were certain like aspects of and topics that I just had never seen and I wasn't really quite grasping as well. Then with my dad's surgery, like I remember that particular week um, was like kind of a few weeks before this like major exam for one of my classes. And I like, last minute asked um because i so the way that we have classes in our first year so we have classes but we also have to be doing rotations in a lab at the same time yeah. and i had asked my uh lab advisor at the time who is now actually my permanent like advisor if i could go home like for a week i was like crying her office um so that i could be there for my dad's surgery and like thankfully i was able to like be home and like do it but when I came back like the last thing I wanted to do was try to like take an exam like I was just worried about my dad being okay and like I was luckily able to kind of get that exam extended a couple days and I was still able to kind of like do it and I mean I didn't do amazing but like I passed <laughs> um, I still managed even though I passed the class um I think because I had an overall average of like a B minus, I was on academic probation. And so now I'm like, fuck my life. Can I curse? Oh, <laughs> um, but that's not fucking allowed. No, of course. <laughs> well, <then> did, you, <laughs> did you say that you were on academic probation because you had an average of a B plus? B minus. B minus. Because of a B minus? yeah <laughs> okay yeah. Um, my program at school in order to pass like it, things were elevated you need a 75 percent or higher to be anything mm. lower than that was failing and when i had yeah. told some people they were like well that's a little intense I, I didn't think it was that bad but you're telling me a b minus they put you in academic probation yeah <laughs> and i'm just like wow. this is great this is amazing wow <laughs> Like they're they they have like this like standard, um, and it's just like crazy to me because like why like I'm still passing like I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, like that that was rough. Like I remember getting the email 
I was like in a behavior room, like running experiments, and I'm like crying to myself because like I didn't want anyone else to like <laughs> know. I didn't even tell my parents. Like I was deathly afraid of like, because like I, I'm at this point where I'm just like, oh my god, they're like, I'm mean, not how to phrase this. Like my parents put me in this pedestal like over time where it was just like oh look at gabby she's like doing all this stuff my dad was always saying mira la campeona and stuff and i'm just like stop like i am not this like i'm not really doing this amazing thing that you think i'm doing um which you can argue whether i am or not but like to me i'm just like don't don't put all these high praises for me, at least not yet, because yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm still out here struggling, and so for me to in my like first year to already be like, oh shit, like I'm on probation, like oh my god. So I worked my fucking ass off that um, last quarter because also um, it's in a quarter system. Mm-hmm. And that was something I wasn't used to. I usually used to take classes a semester. So that was like real fast, a lot of information at you. Um, but that, that last quarter, I worked my ass off. And I was able to get like A's in all the classes. And so I got myself out of probation. But like, yo, that was a rough time. <laughs> While still like making, like thinking about like, cause my dad, it wasn't like he got surgery and he's like, good, like yeah. he's still, had to figure stuff out and like get better um and what was also really hard about it was that like I guess my family can debate this all they want but I felt like my dad was being very hard-headed and um I used to have to kind of like call and like convince him to do things and so it kind of felt like I had this extra weight on me on top of everything else like I'm trying to not fail and I'm not telling my parents that I'm trying to not fail mm-hmm. and my family's trying to deal with my dad getting better. And so it's like, it was like a lot. It was like a lot to juggle all together. And then getting like, getting that um, set of grades saying that I wasn't on probation anymore, literally like tears, but tears of like happiness at that point. And I'm like, yeah, okay, we're getting past the hard part. And then life was like, Jay, fucking Jay, okay, let's just throw more shit at you. And so um, at the end of like our first year, uh, we have to choose uh, a thesis lab. So that first year while you're taking classes, you're doing different 10 to 13 week rotations in different labs. So you're like usually doing some kind of small project or working with someone. Um, at the very end of your first year, you have to choose a lab. And I chose this lab that I was doing my last rotation on. And things are like going pretty chill right now. Things are like, okay. And then around the same time, literally February became uh, traumatic for me for a while. <laughs> but um, because of the thing, the, the surgery thing was my dad was in February. And so now February of the following year, my advisor, like the one I was like in, like I chose to be in his lab and everything. He was like, um, so I'm leaving. 
excuse me um he uh was um basically he got like or he was like moving to a different university and he was moving to a university in a completely different state and um at the same time for my program we like the the summer of our second year we had to take this qualifying exam and this exam essentially makes it so that um you go from just being a student mm -hmm. to a candidate mm -hmm. and it's essentially kind of like this um threshold of like whether you can continue at the program and when i was taking it at that time if you failed more than once you got kicked out of the program and you would hear like students from previous years like talk about how stressful of a time that was like they had to take sometimes months a month or more out of like lab to prepare for it yeah and we would come in as first years already stressed about that even though we weren't even at that point yeah. yet because of how stressful how, how stressed those upperclassmen were so now my second year i have this like test coming up and then oh and so the test the way that it was set up was that you would do a what they call like a chalk talk so it was like you in front of a whiteboard or a chalkboard and you with like markers would describe your a project so it doesn't have to be a project you necessarily were working on for your like your thesis it was just like something you were working on in like usually it was like the lab you were working in mm -hmm. and you're like talking about the question hypothesis methods just what is kind of the entirety of a project um things that could things that you can do if something goes wrong, alternative methods, X, Y, Z, and like what you predict is going to happen. And then the other half of the exam is, was this um, thing called general knowledge, which I kind of describe as a free-for-all questioning. So you would pick a concentration mm -hmm. based on like what kind of work you were going to do in the lab you chose. And you would often take an upper level seminar that second year that was based on that. And in that general knowledge section, you would often get questions kind of from that class, but also anything you've learned from like all the time you've been in grad school. So then the exam was completely oral <laughs> and you would get some form of like idea of what they could ask you, mm -hmm. but they would also say it wasn't the list they gave you wasn't exhaustive. So it could literally be anything. And that was not of my favorite part. <laughs> so, right, this test is coming up. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to prepare myself for it. And then all of a sudden, my advisor is like, deuces, I'm about to leave. And I like was kind of at this point where it's like, I had to choose to do I stay and move labs? Mm -hmm. Or do I leave with him? And then if I left with him, I had two choices where it was like, leave with him and completely transfer to the new school and now get my degree from this different place or leave with him and like still try to do stuff at my like original school because i was kind of earlier on it made more sense to me to stay mm -hmm. and switch labs 
But then it made preparing for the exam a little bit complicated. Mm-hmm. Because now I also my project like changed a lot while I was in that lab. So I didn't really like have a project or story to talk about for the exam. And this was the exam was like in August and I was switching labs and joining a new one in like March. Like that's not a lot of like months kind of in between to join a lab, learn new a new project and learn techniques and stuff and then try to like present about it in a cohesive manner on top of that i have never been a great like uh oral presenter that actually also was not really ever part of our classes and so we're going from taking classes that were being assessed by writing and things that are kind of um, more on paper, on a computer or whatever. So now you're assessing whether I need to stay in this university on a completely different skill set that we haven't practiced. Um, And I haven't really had to get practice in because just like my background, like it's just not like I haven't, I never really got that exposure much. Whereas you have like some people in the program who are better at that, you know, but that's something that they just like innately have or or got the chance to do in other things, but I didn't. And so, and, and also other people too, but now I'm like, crap, okay, I have to join a new lab and learn this new stuff, but then I want to take time away to, to, to prepare for this exam, but then I can't take too much time away because I have to learn this stuff to talk about it in the exam. <laughs> it was just like a lot happening in a few set of months um and so i had the lab i joined which is the one i'm still in now was a lab that i had done one of my rotations in prior so like i was a little familiar with what like the major techniques that they were using in the lab but i wasn't working like the projects i ended up doing were completely different from the one i was doing in my rotation mm-hmm. so it was like starting from scratch for me so fast forward like oh actually so a little bit before the exam so we were taking i remember i told you that i we were taking like a class that kind of was supposed to help you prepare yeah for that exam so the final for that class was a mirror of um a part of the exam and i um i didn't mention this earlier but actually right after the thing that with my dad i started going to therapy because i just like realized that i was just like going through a lot emotionally and i needed to like process that and like i was actually kind of i don't know if the word warned is right but i was told that before taking the qualifying exam, it might be good to find a therapist so that they actually get to know you before you take the exam. <laughs> so you take that, you, you you use that information, you interpret that as you will. <laughs> um, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I it's funny because like I never even like processed that until after the fact. It's like, yo, someone like that has told me that. Mm-hmm. Like, you probably need a therapist for this. And I like kind of ignored it until the thing with my dad. And then I was like, okay, maybe I need one. Because I had I had done therapy for some short time when I was a technician. 
just like processing a lot of stuff that happened after undergrad. But when I started grad school, I was just like, no, like, whatever, like, I'm fine now. And then eventually um, started doing it again. But then fast forward to that exam for that class. I legitimately did not sleep for almost an entire week prior to that exam because of how anxious I was. Like the I like I like I think maybe I slept five hours total in a week. Like, I don't even know. Like I legit did not sleep. And I ended up like obviously not performing my best in the exam. Like I did okay in my mind. But then when I got feedback, I basically was told like if I do this in the real exam, like I'm going to fail. <laughs> and so I was like, cool. One one theme that comes up a lot is just like the the feedback that we sometimes get in the academic spaces, depending on who they come from, aren't always kind of the most helpful. I know like I know sometimes the intentions are not to like be hurtful and they're actually trying to look out for you, but there's just like so many other ways you can say and do things and they didn't always do it the best way in my opinion so right that happens and now I'm like how am I even gonna like like I'm just like okay I have to like bust my ass to do well in this exam because I want to stay in this program so I'm like meeting with my therapist I'm telling her about everything and um I, I'm like, I've never been against taking medication, but like it got so bad to the point that I was just like, I can't sleep. Like my stress is on a thousand. <laughs> like, um, maybe we should consider medication. Like she had me try all types of techniques before I was like, homegirl, nothing is working. I think we might need to do this. And so eventually got like paired with a psychiatrist and started trying, like I was taking, uh, I think what effectively is Zoloft. Is that what Sertraline is? I can't remember. Sertraline is Zoloft, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I started to, cause I was like, I wanna like get something that works for me in time before the real exam because just the class exam had me wrecked. So I imagine yeah. the real one. So yeah, I was going to therapy every week. And then I started taking medication. And like we figured out what dose worked well for me. And I take it like it was like mid end of August. I think I did okay. And so the, the, so the way that it works is that you there was a, a set committee for each concentration so it was like five people um and it was like these five people in the room you're at the board you have your your markers and like you do your thing and then they you they have you step out you wait for what feels like the longest time in your life and then they they have you come back in and they tell you whether you pass or not and then they kind of like give you some feedback um, and then they write up this whole thing of like well, how you did and the feedback and everything, and they send it to you. 
mm-hmm. and you're like advisor. And I think the program. And so I end up getting a, um, I'm forgetting the actual term nowadays for some reason, but I like partially passed basically. Like it wasn't a full pass. And um, I was just like, okay, <laughs> cool. They basically were like, I did well in like some aspects, but there were like some other things that we feel like you need to practice and like review and like do this. Um, and so basically they gave me a couple of months to come back and get tested on like this subsection yeah. of things. And I mentioned before that the examination panel was like five people. This small section though, I actually only got tested by two of them, which I still to this day feel like is weird because <laughs> they were like the co-leaders of the group. And I, so yeah, that happens, right? I'm just like, okay, like this isn't that bad. I part, like I, I like partially passed. Like I just gotta like, review these things and got like you know cool so but part of the difficulty was that some of what i needed to review were stuff from the new lab i joined and it's like how do i step out basically i kind of felt like i didn't have enough experience with the technique Mm -hmm. and the tool that that's what was part of my lack of understanding of it like how can I know about something I haven't really gotten the chance to do because I was too busy out here trying to study everything else? Like, it was just a lot, right? And so I decide, like, okay, I'll come in. Um, try Like, my, my advisor and I, like, we come together, we meet, and we're like, okay, we're going to, like, have a schedule for you to um, go over some stuff. Like, I took time away, and I what I felt, like going over things i felt like i was doing okay then i a couple of months after i forgot i forget like maybe two or like two months or so after um i went and i took that partial exam thing again and the failing (laughs) um and basically uh what was now supposed to happen was that i was supposed to take the entire exam over again and they gave me more months to prepare for it. And essentially, like, if I didn't pass this time around, I would get kicked out. So there was this, like, there's this one thing that um, was said to me at the end of this, like, partial um, examination that, like, nowadays when I feel very insecure, creeps up in my mind again, and I absolutely hate it. But I was, like, essentially told that, like, if, if I like don't do well in this, like I really should reconsider whether this is like the right path for me. Like if this is like the right career for me, like essentially saying like, are you, are you made for this? <laughs> um, and so I remember leaving that examination and going to the bathroom, just like crying in a stall. <laughs> the beginning of many crying in fun places. And so, yeah, that was a thing. and. Now it's like all hands on deck. Like my my advisor was like, do not do anything in lab. Like you're just like a hundred percent preparing for this exam. We're gonna meet once 
a week or once every two weeks to practice. I got a upper like an upperclassman um, offered to meet with me and like tutor and like we were able to get her paid to tutor me <laughs> to prepare for the exam. Like everyone in my lab was like, we're helping Gabby get this fucking exam out of her life, <laughs> um, which I like very much appreciate, honestly. And literally, like, it was like months. I was just like trying to get this exam like done out of my house. We end up take I end up taking the exam in early February again. You know, February, awesome time. <laughs> also, the fact that we're recording in February was kind of funny. <laughs> a, li- a little lot of funny. You know? <laughs> Um, but right and so one thing that I really appreciate about my advisor was she was like make like she told me this early like kind of when we were starting to set the schedule so that I could prepare she was like make a trip for yourself like do do something for yourself after the exam because like you deserve to decompress like it's something to look forward to which like I really appreciate that she like encouraged me to do that so, right, I was like, I'm going to take my exam. And literally the day after the exam, I had a flight booked to go to uh, to California. Um, I have friends from college who live in uh, SoCal. And so I was like, I'm going to go to Disneyland. It's going to be lit. Like, it's going to be a great time. And so this time around, my advisor is encouraged, and she was like, at the exam. So it's kind of like supposed to kind of help you uh, feel more comfortable in case like exams and whatnot and I take it and I think I did better I felt like I did better I was still nervous to share it but I felt like I had like like I I don't know how much more I could prepare oh also I actually didn't mention another thing because like after the after like not passing that partial exam thing I was like okay like I'm going to ask you guys, like, I'm going to, because one thing about me, and I feel like, I don't know if it resonates with a lot of people growing up as, like, first gen, having to kind of figure a lot of things out yourself. Like, I was never really comfortable asking for help. I always kind of felt like I could figure things out myself. I was just like, okay, like, I need to ask for help. Like, I, I was criticized for not asking for help. So I was like, I bet I'm going to ask for all the fucking help. <laughs> and when I did, it wasn't that helpful <laughs> from, from them, from the people like who were administering, like the two people administering that exam. I honestly didn't feel like it was that helpful. And so I'm just like, okay, like you're criticizing me for not asking for help. But when I do, it's all just like cryptic and like, I like, as if like they can't tell me anything because then they're giving away the exam. But I'm just like, what? And so that was extremely frustrating. But I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna like everyone else that is offering to help me, um, is gonna help mm-hmm. me. Um, and so right, the exam comes February, I think I did okay. The next day I'm at the airport at Chili's which is my go-to place at the airport. Very random. <laughs> but I just, like, always like to yeah. go there and, like, get a glass, get some kind of alcohol yeah. and just, like, whatever. And I get an email 
where I effectively, like the first sentence said that I only partially passed again. And because of that, I was going to get kicked out of the program. Like I was getting kicked out of the program. I was distraught. Like I'm out here crying at a Chili's at the airport. (laughs) And I call one of my lab mates and I tell her, and she is now like I she told me eventually like she goes to our advisor's office pissed off being like what the fuck my advisor knows because like she's in the email like thing and like I'm just out here like okay like I can't even like contain the tears like I'm going to the bathroom just like bawling my eyes out I call my best friend and I'm telling her like why should I even go on this trip like this is stupid. And she's like, no, no, like, this is when you need to go. <laughs> and I, I, I legit almost missed that fight. Like, she was the reason, like, she was like, no, like, please go. And so, like, she was the reason I got on the plane. And I joke that this is my my tour of L.A. in tears because, <laughs> so, like, the way I planned the trip was that I spent, like, two days in L.A. by myself like at an Airbnb, because um, I had gone to LA like for one day, a couple of years or a year or so before that, I can't remember. And I was like, I want to go do the things that people do in LA, like see the see cool things. And I, like my friends who live in SoCal couldn't necessarily do multiple days of LA with me. So I was like, I'll go by myself, do that for a few days, then meet up with them. Cause they both were living in Orange County at the time and like spend the rest of my time with them and so now i'm in in this like state for two days by myself <laughs> crying on the plane i get off to lax and then um get an uber to my airbnb get to my airbnb crying in my airbnb <laughs> um, call my therapist which like I, again like it's like you know they're like oh call if you're an emergency i was like this is yeah. an emergency <laughs> i can't wait up. I call her, but like it was late at night, so she didn't. I didn't talk to her till the next morning. Yeah, it was just like craziness. And I had like planned to go to. Oh my god, what's the name of that museum? It's like a big museum in LA that I went to. It's like on top of like a mountain or something. Yeah, I went to the museum, and while I was at the museum, I like my my advisor kind of in the background. When she, like, we, we had kind of, like, talked briefly about what had happened. Like, she emailed me and stuff, but, like, on that first day, she was, like, okay, we're going to see if we can get you at least a master's. Because, like, you know, you need to have something <laughs> for all this work. But funny enough, for my program, you can't get a master's unless you pass quals. So, <laughs> I was in this weird-ass position of, like, Mm, ah. <laughs> and so my my advisor is like we like we she wants to talk to the advisory board and like figure out if we can get this at least yeah she's like figuring that out and so while i was at the museum i got an email about them like ha- going to have a meeting and like considering talking about it and again now i'm crying at the museum <laughs> It was a beautiful museum, and I'm like, no, really, like it's just like too much. Um, and 
I do want to go to the museum one day yeah. again and actually get to like see it because I feel like I saw like two things and then I was like the nice weather like the weather being nice was like it was, it was a plus but I feel like I'm here at events sitting and crying and then eventually I go to Santa Monica Pier and I'm just like ooh Santa Monica Pier like look at me like whatever and then you know where it's like you have like waves of your thoughts mm-hmm. like coming back yeah and like you're like you get to distract yourself but then like there's a moment where you get to like you get your your thoughts come back and now I'm crying and I want to appear um I actually I have a friend from college who she a couple, like a year or so before that event um called me like late at night when like she was having some academic struggles and I was like let's call her and I literally said to her, I was like, remember when you called me when you were having some problems? It's my turn now. It's <laughs> 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 like on the phone talking to her, like also like just crying about like everything. And like, but I really do appreciate that I was able to talk to her with it because like she had really good ideas about like contacting certain people and like figuring some stuff out for myself that yeah, without speaking to her, I kind of would have never really considered. But what's also really like nice kind of is that my advisor, a lot of what she was suggesting, my advisor was already doing, which like again, forever grateful for her. Like my advisor started her lab when I started grad school, so she was new, and like pre ten, like she hasn't like I wasn't like tenured, you know, was um like like. A, a pregnant like out here fighting for me and I'm like oh, I would have never like I was like you're kind of in a vulnerable position is what I felt like and kind of mm-hmm. you know and she's out here like fighting for me and I'm just like oh my god I love you so much <laughs> um, like eventually I find out that like I'm able to get a master's um, like they were able to kind of let that happen when I, like, after leaving LA and stuff, I met up with my friends. Um, they were a great distraction from the rest of it. Um, not being alone was good at that point. And then when I came back, we had, like, I was meeting with my advisor and, like, the people who run the program. And we had this whole plan where I would, like, work on my master's, finish in the summer. And I probably was just going to move back home and maybe work as a technician again or do something and like decide whether I did want to go back to the PhD program or if I kind of just like started my master's and kind of just like did something else but give myself time mm-hmm. to figure it out but then Miss Corona <laughs> was like hey, up, hello and everything shut down yeah. and so we're like um Gabby won't be able to finish during the time we projected. So can we extend like this this time, this ending time? And eventually they're like, yeah, okay, like um we'll give her until the end of like December, basically the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So we're like, you know, at the time, people were like, oh, it's just two weeks. Like, we're just like, you know, we're going to go back and blah, blah, blah. And while I was home, I was essentially trying to, like, put together what kind of the stuff I did have and figuring out what I can, like, 
how I can make that into my master's thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, I was putting together a master's thesis committee and like just trying to prepare myself for what I needed. And so in the like middle of it all, right, there's the whole, um, what was the hashtag? In, on Twitter, it was like, was it Black and the Ivory? Where a lot of um, like black students and students of color, I think it was mostly like it was being spearheaded by a lot of black students in um, private universities or just universities in general, showing that there is a lack of support of these individuals in academic spaces. Mm-hmm. And now all these universities are having town halls and talks about like how to best support the students who it's still questionable about whether these talks really did a lot but you're having all these new conversations i remember actually right before the school shut down there were actually students already doing this before that happened and like trying to like have this petition at the university to call for some changes um in order to support more students but then also with the pandemic the for my program in particular the exam had to get changed because it wasn't safe to be all in one room in person, you know? Like, how how are we gonna do this virtual? Can we do this virtual? And like, the examination itself, like the, what the, what the exam itself was doing and, and how, if at all, it was supporting students or what the purpose of it was, mm-hmm. became a question as well. Like, mm-hmm. if we're gonna talk about changing his exam like let's talk about changing his exam basically this was like a lot of town halls a lot of like a lot of like wild conversations (laughs) and things came up about like the exam essentially feeling like more of a hazing ritual essentially like the way that they were describing the purpose of the exam was like oh it was supposed to be a way to gauge uh the where you were kind of in your skill set as a scientist and your knowledge as a scientist and kind of um, how we can uh, support you becoming a better scientist moving forward. But that that was not what it felt mm-hmm. like or what that experience was. Like, it felt more like a hazing ritual, at least for me and some other people. I don't know if everyone felt that way. That's like how I felt. At least, at least more so the general knowledge part and not so much the chalk talk part that part i actually was okay with and that actually was the part that i would always do better on which hilarious um, <laughs> but that like those things these conversations are happening and the exam is now being called the question in and of itself and so what ends up happening because i i um I knew people from the year um, under me who would have been the ones to take it that summer. Mm-hmm. And I find out through one of them because they had sent an email to them first before they sent it to the rest of the community saying that they effectively were changing the exam to be just the chalk talk and they were eliminating the general knowledge portion altogether. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm happy for y'all, but also what the fuck? Damn. <laughs> I literally, like, like, with the quickness, I forwarded that email to my advisor. I was like, you see that shit? <laughs> and, um, at this time, like, 
I already, I actually, um, this was like around, because the exam was supposed to be August. So this is like maybe around May, June, June-ish or July-ish, I can't remember. And for the university, I think starting around uh, maybe May-ish or earlier, you could be qualified as like um, essential. And if you had that title, you could go into lab. You had to like stagger and stuff, but like you could still be in the space just to like maintain things, right? And so because I had was a, I was on this time crunch, my advisor was like, okay, like let's label you essential and like you'll go to lab and get as much as you can get done. And so like I was going to lab almost every single day like I used to go on the weekends because I was determined to get what I needed to get done so that I can graduate with a degree like I was sacrificing I mean at the time like granted there wasn't that much I was doing because like we were all locked up but I well locked up is a weird way to describe it but we were all like inside um but I was like going like every single day on weekends. Like I was just like going nonstop because I was just like, I need to get this done. And then that happens and I'm just like, what is going on? And my advisor, eventually we all get the email. And my advisor meet, talk, like meets up with um, my other uh, committee members. And we put together a letter to effectively be like, hey, Y'all changed the exam and essentially removed the part she failed. She's still busting her ass here. It's not like she just like up and left. Maybe I should consider bringing her back into the program. I'm putting it in a nice way. I actually like, I was not there for any of the talks that my advisor did. But like, she gives me the vibes of like commanding a room. She very much does. So I can only imagine that those meetings were like, Oh my god, amazing to watch. <laughs> but um, they end up like scheduling this like meeting with the advisory committee in September. And I remember like being in lab the day it happened and it was like I was having lunch with um one of the more senior grad students. They're having a social distance lunch, you know. And I get the email where she, my advice was like, Yeah, they unanimously agreed to bring you back. <laughs> Yeah. I, was like, I was like, I don't even know how to feel right now. <laughs> like, I'm like, do I cry? But is it like positive crying? Like, what is happening? Um, and I actually, I didn't mention this at all. But when um, I when I failed like the exam and like the whole thing was happening, I finally told my family. Like, I refused to tell them anything that was happening. I maybe only told my sister about things. But um, when this was happening, like, I told my parents. And thankfully, like, I don't know why I expected them to, like, complain or something. I think it was, like, the fear of them putting me in, like, this pedestal and now, like, dismantling that pedestal and, like, feeling like I'm letting them down and, like, being a disappointment. They were just like, girl, like, it's okay. Like, we still know that you can do, like, really great things no matter what degree you have so they were like super supportive and like I'm so glad that they were not like I don't know why I assumed the worst 
again, anxiety, she's evil. Um, <laughs> but like, it's just like, I, I was projecting everything I was feeling onto them for sure. Um, but Did you, add, I guess, okay, actually a couple of questions. Um, was it like a good, like a high percentage of people failing and being kicked out of the program or was it like few people here and there or, or rarely did it happen? It happened rarely, but most of the people struggling were often first gen or people of color. Okay, that was going to be another kind of follow-up. Like that was I, I, that was a that was something that came up in one of the town halls. Okay. Cuz I remember someone said it and I was like muted and like camera off and I was yelling in the lab. I was like, "What I fucking said?" <laughs> I was just like I was like I was just like I I'm saying, but you know. Okay, like that um, that didn't cross my mind until um your when you said that your lab mates were like we're all on board to go help you and everything like that. I'm like, oh, does this not happen very often? And then, you know, realizing that unfortunately some people fail this or that, not because they're not good at something, but because they're hold to higher standards or can't get away with as much because they're a person of color. So my brain started thinking, and I was going to like ask, I was like, did you at any point feel like that might've ever been a cause of of you like failing and, and such partially failing yeah I mean I I definitely think it had some kind of um layer to it and I think like so kind of the way I see it is that a lot of us um kind of in that first trend space especially like we're coming into graduate school never having had any of this experience or exposure prior right so other people who may have um individuals in the family that they're like close with who have been in higher academic spaces like kind of know the ins and outs of how to navigate it Mm -hmm. but a lot of us like who don't have that come in like fully blind and don't really kind of know what they call like hidden language of um of academia and like for example, I have a friend of mine. Um, she she uh was kind of criticized for not talking like a scientist. Which like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and that that kind of stems from kind of having just more jargon based uh language, and in my opinion, kind of a more white speaking neutral language and for if you understood what the person said even though they might have not used the exact terminology that you were expected like does that really they were able to clearly present that information why does that matter if they didn't use that exact word you wanted them to use and like things like that where like again there are individuals in the program who probably had more um, public speaking, oral presentation type of experience, where some of us, this was our first time ever doing anything like yeah. that. Like these things take into account, like how, how are you gonna ride an entire person's position in a program 
on these things that you don't even like have them do prior to doing it. And a lot of like it comes down like like um to again that exposure to resources and stuff that you can get prior to coming into a program like this. Like if you're gonna ex- uh, accept and like encourage people from all different backgrounds to come into this program, like be fully ready to support these different mm-hmm. backgrounds and um, at least provide assessments that are well-rounded and uh, like able to kind of allow the students to showcase their skill sets in different forms if Mm -hmm. necessary for example one of the other concentrations if they had to kind of redo part of their exam sometimes they were they were given a written option what which wasn't offered to me and I didn't even know that was a thing until after. And so, like, you know, like, you're not you're not allowing individuals to, like, I, I get it that, like, it's a skill set you want to have as a, as a professional in general. Mm-hmm. But, like, you should provide that mm-hmm. and not just in a final for one course or an examination, you know? You should, like, provide that in a variety of venues. If you're going to hold it to such high of a standard that you're going to change someone's position in the program for it. It was kind of like one of those other examples of like an examination being set up in a way that only works for a certain Mm -hmm. kind of individual with certain kinds of exposure, Mm -hmm. let's say, or at least like with enough practice or whatever. Um, But no, yeah, eventually got back to the program and had to kind of figure out how to like navigate still being here. At one point, my advisor was like, if you want to leave, I completely understand. (laughs) Um, But I was just like, I did not like go through all of this struggle to, to not like get to the end. Like I, at one point, I like, cause the thing was that I love the work. Mm -hmm. Like, I, if I really didn't, like, some people were just, like, literally, like, I had so many people being, like, how, why did you stay? Why, how are you still here? I do not understand how you, like, are still doing this. And I'm just, like, because, like, I had a community of people around me that, like, were so encouraging. Like, my entire lab, if they were not there, I would have left. Because, like, every single person in the lab was just, like, helping me encouraging me like reminding me that I do actually belong in this space even if like this one exam didn't go as like planned like it's not like I'm out here in the lab doing absolutely nothing like I'm able to run experiments I'm able to get data I'm able to do what a scientist does just because I wasn't able to recite this thing that I memorized like the way you wanted me to or whatever or like just answer, like use answer things that I actually wasn't going to use in my own work. Like, why does that, like, not that it doesn't matter, but like, I know nowadays people are looking it up. If they need to know that information, they're searching it, they're Googling it, they're looking at a book. Like, it's not. I've been so good to not interrupt, <laughs> but my, my brain just really, really wants to say this, these two things. <laughs> 
Yeah, so please, please. you've seen those videos on TikTok where it's like, oh, let me uh, figure this out. Oh, look, let me go uh, grab this one treatment plan for you and I'll be right back. And it's like the doctors running out of the room and like they're pushing their staff members out of the side and they're like looking up like the easiest thing in the world or whatever. I'm not kidding you. Okay. Being in the veterinary field, that has happened. That has happened. Sometimes like, you get like the simplest of questions asked and your brain will just go like blank or it's just like, oh my God, why am I going blank? Like it, it happens. And then also my two cents, I have always been a good test taker in turn. I might take me a really long time, but I usually can do really well on test. And I know that's not the case for everyone. The one time in college that I failed an exam, when it was an oral exam, and it was over this. So like you're telling me this entire story and I'm literally thinking about that experience. Um, it was the anesthetic machine. You had to know um, basically like there's kind of like two types of circuits and they were like, you need to be able to describe to us uh, and describe and um, tell us what this does and la 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 this and that. And they're like, if you fail, we're going to give you another chance. But if you don't pass this, you get kicked out of the program. So again, very sim- similar situation. And so I, I've i always been really hard on myself. And so um, I wasn't expecting to fail. I was just really nervous because talking in front of people, that is not easy. Even if you yeah. know this information, even if you're supposed to say, hey, this is my name, you might forget to say your name, you know? And Literally so um, <laughs> this, the, this anesthetic machine, I was so comfortable with it. I'm like, I know this like the back of my hand, I can tell you what this does. I can tell you the 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 flow of oxygen on here, but it's the fact that I have to say it in front of someone. And it was one teacher that I had to say in front of, mm-hmm. and I failed the first time. And I was, I was, so you mentioning like I was crying here and there. I was just thinking like, yeah, yeah, that was in the same boat. <laughs> and so, you know, fortunately I, you know, I was able to take it again and I did pass it. But like to have that amount of pressure for that amount of long time like that's so crazy to me it's so stressful and you were seeing like a therapist during this time all this time were you also on medication during all this time yeah yeah so I started taking medication the summer um prior to like the first time I took the exam um and I had stayed on it I was like still on it um effectively like through that entire thing like I talk about how um, I was in like this heightened anxious state for over yeah. a year. Like I, I know that a lot of my kind of struggles and performance was because of my anxiety. And it was kind of your saying where it's like, you may know the information, but you're like so nervous and anxious that like, you draw blanks that sometimes you say things that you didn't mean to say. And one thing about, at least in, in our set of exam, was that um, something we were always warned about, at least in upperclassmen, were like, you, if you say something that's wrong um, or just like not exactly what it is, they're going to get on you about it. It's kind of like they keep asking you questions until they reach your breaking point type vibes. And I was like, oh, cool. That's lit. <laughs> um, yeah. and it's like, why? <laughs> like, what, what, what is the point? What is the point? Like, again, like, it's kind of just, like, if you were saying, like, I actually, and when it comes to 
more written styles of exams, I do mm-hmm. always a lot better. Um, that, but the oral aspect of things, like having to think, think quickly on my feet in front of like these people who were meant to kind of like mean mug you, like they were kind of like they couldn't show expression or anything. Like mm-hmm. that just got to me. I could not do it well. It was a crazy time. And like, thankfully, with like the help of so many people, I was able to kind of go, like, you know, get back into the program. And then, yeah, I mean, since then, things have definitely been better. This entire time, I'm just like waiting. I was like, you're, I was like, you're still there. I was like, so I'm like waiting for the good news. And I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> no, and, then, yeah. and then this bad news, I'm like, wait, what? So I'm just like waiting for <laughs> My therapist described it as like just obstacles being thrown yeah. at me constantly and I was just trying to like duck and get through it. Um and so for because of kind of what um, oh another thing about the, the the structure of the exam that changed was that um you no longer could be kicked out um for failing. So actually that was what made me want to email my advisor when I got the email mm-hmm. about it. It wasn't even that they eliminated a part of it. It was more that they eliminated the failing mm-hmm. part of it. And so I was like, hold up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but so like, so for for that year, they, like now the exam is, has been mm-hmm. improved in my opinion. It, again, like you can't fail. It's just the chalk talk part, but you can get kind of, uh, general questions but it has to be within the realm of the topics that your project is related Mm -hmm. to um which i think makes more sense and uh so you either like pass the flying colors or you kind of pass with some uh advisement in terms of like they provide you with resources or things that you should do in order to kind of improve your knowledge in that area that you they think you're lacking in and i'm like okay now you're actually what you said <laughs> this exam was supposed to be doing which i'm happy that they took people's um as like complaints and advisement and like you know made changes to the exam made schooling accessible exactly but so for me since technically i never passed a qualifying exam they had to get creative and so um what ended up happening was that uh, my I so usually you don't get a master's in a PhD program that's like not through so it depends like so for example um, I have a, some friends who will do PhD programs through a psychology department and uh, a lot of those programs usually you get a master's and a PhD like it's kind of within the program's structure but for one for for other programs similar to mine you don't get a master's like you you in theory fake do but you don't actually like you don't get a degree you just get a phd degree but in my situation i ended up getting a master's like a physical master's and that master's defense replaced my qualifying exam like it was what was considered my qualifying exam and so i did that in january of the year after that, I can't remember at this point. It might have been February. 
I don't know. <laughs> but um, I remember doing it like virtually and it was like a whole thing. And like I have, I have like my, it's so funny. I have like my degree kind of like in the back of my laptop. I wanted to hang it, but I moved like when I had gotten it. So I was just like, I need a, I don't know where I'm going to hang it. I don't have an office. <laughs> okay. Actually, before I forget, cause I really, okay. Yeah. So I was told that uh-huh. you, you had written an article or something yeah. like that. And I was like, I was going to start reading it, but I was like, no, 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 wait. I want to hear it directly from Gabby. I don't want like, I just, <laughs> um, so I can't remember what it is about. Was it about this experience? Mm-hmm. Oh this, my God. That was what the article was about. Yeah. So um, it's funny. I'm pulling my phone out because I forget what I made the title. <laughs> but um, so it's it's uh it's called um, my PhD qualifying exam was a nightmare, but I'm not letting it define me. And I so um, I took a class the summer of 2021 that was essentially a class for uh, science communication for scientists. And um, as part of that course, you, for like its final assignment, you had to either write about kind of like life of a like life of a PhD student, kind of like about your science, or you could write a piece about your experience as a scientist. So I don't know if that makes sense the difference, but basically, like you either write you either write about the science you're doing itself, mm-hmm. um, or you write about your personal self in this space of being a scientist and i had proposed a piece for both Mm -hmm. and um at the time the professor was like i really think you should write about your experience like i think this could be a really good paper a good story and i was just like and at that point i was like kind of it was still fresh ish Mm -hmm. like things things have been getting better but like that literally like I had gotten the master's a couple months prior to starting that class. And so like it was still pretty fresh um in me at the time. And so I was like, okay, sure. So I ended up like writing a piece. And one thing that the class offered, because the the, the teacher herself, she was from the journalism school and um had a lot of like contacts. And she was she was like you if you want like we can have whatever you write and pitch it to different places and see if you can get it published mm-hmm. and i was like sure <laughs> um i'm a little i'm a little scared because like to me so i will say that like at the time i still felt extremely vulnerable mm-hmm. like for me i felt like if i did anything wrong I was going to get kicked out. Like, even though technically I, like, there was no reason to kick me out. Like, I I had been vulnerable for so long. It was, like, my default Mm -hmm. that, like, even even in the face of safety, I still was, like, oh, no, if I say something negative about these people, they're going to kick me out. Like, (laughs) <laughs> like it was you were like, concerned by sharing your experience that it would come back to the yeah. school and they would use it as an excuse to kick you out that's how I felt at least because like I was still I was still like in 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 in, in attack yeah. mode not attack mode and like, but yeah kind of. yeah <laughs> but people were like no like they can't they can't do yeah. that <laughs> so you don't have to feel that way but 
it was it was still like part of how I felt at the time and but I was like oh I was like no like I'll write it and I'll see what happens so I was pitching it to science journals but they're kind of like career slash blog type of space mm-hmm. um and I uh, pitched it to one place and they didn't take it and then I pitched it to a second place and they took a long time to get back to me so I was just like well I guess maybe not <laughs> and then eventually got back to me and they said that they actually felt like it was a good piece and they wanted to um help me edit it so I worked with like an editor for a while it took a couple months because I started out with one editor then I got switched to another because the one I had had to go on maternity leave and whatnot but yeah eventually last year in I'm gonna laugh if it said we're again let me see <laughs> Um, it was oh my god because <laughs> <laughs> i see it i'm like looking at the at the on my on my instagram because i posted mm-hmm. it on my instagram like the 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 like front page yeah it was it was published february 3rd 2020 wow so <laughs> we love a good redemption story of a month. <laughs> um, but, um, i uh yeah, February of 2022, it officially got published. And I actually remember um, before it was like officially, officially, yeah, like when I knew that it was going to be like published soon, mm-hmm. I was kind of just like, what do I do? Because my advisor, like I told her about like what was happening and she was like super encouraging about it. Um, and we got to this point where we were like, do we, do we tell the program that you're like releasing this? Um, because honestly, like, it, like if you read it, I'm not like out here shitting on them, you know. Yeah. I like I kind of I just describe in a more shorthand way, like what I told you is very detailed compared to like the actual article itself, because I had like space constraints and like stuff yeah. like that. I kind of speak to the experience of being first gen and like feeling like. I did I wasn't like well equipped for something like this and then also just the spaces not always providing that as well and also talking about how things got better mm-hmm. um and also the the scope of things happening in the middle of it so with the academic twitter like the 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 movements that were happening at the time mm-hmm. right like before it was coming out like I had spoken to my midi about whether I should like like send the actual article fully to them or if I should um just tell them or if I should just say nothing and then be yeah. like surprise <laughs> um, so in the end um I did like let them know that I was say like I was writing something about my experience but I didn't like actually send them the article like if they saw it it was after the fact of mm-hmm. um publishing it and I did like share it on my social media and stuff when it came out but yeah no I did I did I was not like that was never the plan I wasn't like being like yeah I'm gonna write about this shit like after it happened <laughs> if anything I was just like oh my god I survived you know <laughs> I think the timing of that course was serendipitous that like it gave me the opportunity to share that story and what's really like this like what's really cool is that um when i shared it i had like people kind of talk about like they felt 
encouraged to talk about like their struggles and like things that may have been similar or not to their academic experience as well. That was nice because it was kind of like, you know, you're not alone yeah. in all of this craziness. It sucks that it's a lot of us going through a lot of this, you know, but it's nice to know that like, because a lot of the time when you're going through it, you feel like you're the only person yeah. going through this and like, why am I the one going through this struggle? Like, you know, so like, I'm glad that it like resonated a lot with people. But yeah, yeah, I wrote, wrote that article published in Science, which I guess only really sounds cool to the people who know what the science journal is. <laughs> but, um, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of it. Like, I, I, I'm proud of what I wrote. Do you feel like it was also therapeutic for you to be able to process all the emotions that were you going through after the math? After the yeah, I would say for sure. It was definitely therapeutic. I think when I wrote, um, definitely writing that first full draft, I had to stop a lot because I had to cry a lot through it. But, like, it was very much a different kind of crying, for sure. It was, like, you, you say, like, a more therapeutic, like, uh, outside looking in or, like, looking back at things. And, like, mm-hmm. um, because, again, it was, like, yeah, it was, it happened already, but it was not too far from it. Some of those wounds were still kind of fresh. So mm-hmm. it was, like, a combination of that. But, yeah, for sure, writing it and, like, after it, it, it kind of began to the point where after a while, like I'll do many edits, I was just like, man, I'm just tired of writing this shit. <laughs> but like, I knew that like in the end of it, I would be happy, but like mm-hmm. it was out there. Yeah. Okay. Side note. Yes. Is that something that you, like if I were to put, um, the uh like the link to that is that something that you would be okay with yeah. with me putting it like oh, or like if you don't want me to then we can just leave it as the information that you've provided as is oh you can link it i mean i have it like it's the link on my instagram <laughs> like in the in the oh. bio it's what yeah it's what's linked like, you're fine. okay i was just wondering it was like if you're cool with it i think it'd be great no, to yeah. be able to share that there's this like um big or i don't know what the word the right word is big but so one thing that's really lauded in graduate school is getting funding from the National Institutes of Health, like one of those different institutes. Mm-hmm. Like you can apply to get these grants and it's like really hard to get them. And I, after some time, um, decided to apply to one of them. And through what I still, I'm just like, how? I got it on my first try, which is wild. That like rarely happens. Um, but when I found that I got it, I remember my response being like, yeah, suck it. You said I couldn't do this. <laughs> and look at me getting this grant. And I like tried really hard, like kind of after the fact to to be involved in things to kind of just like, in a way, prove to myself, like I do belong in this space. Um, so I like did a lot of like talks in different, like, like small talks and, um, small, like, um, online, con- like seminars and conferences. I also, um, 
like I have an interest in teaching and I did kind of like one-off teaching. Um, I made like a teaching video where I like use dominoes and stuff to describe like how cells fire, how neurons fire and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I feel like I'm now in a much better place than I was at that time. Graduate school never is easy. Um, and even though I'm not like having those same struggles, like I'm not having other forms of struggles, like just trying to get the work I'm doing to the finish line so that I can graduate. It's just been like a wild ride. <laughs> and I can only hope that um, people don't have to experience what I went through, especially like, I know like within my program, it can't happen again. Because <laughs> I had an advisor tell me like, I'm sorry, you basically had to eat shit in order for things to get better. And I was just like, well, I mean, like, if that's what it takes, like, I guess I'll take the L <laughs> like for the betterment of other people. The experience really, really just like, emphasize to me how important it is to make these kind of spaces more accessible and like more resourceful for people from all different backgrounds which i think is part of what makes me even more interested in like pursuing maybe something in the teaching realm just so that i can like make sure that i don't want to give a warning but i kind of <laughs> um, to upcoming like individuals interested in this field or just like be able to like pay it forward mm -hmm. to others you know because I got a lot of help to get to where I am now so I would only feel like it's fair to help other people out too. Speaking of kind of piggybacking off of that is there any if there was any advice or any tips that you could like tell yourself or maybe even others starting this journey like what kind of advice would you give definitely speak to students in the programs um and ask them about like their truthful experiences in the program like do they feel supported if you're coming from um a first gen like background make sure you well, first of all, if there's no first-gen people in the program, like, red flag. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, if you can find them, like, speak to them, because you want to know, like, do they feel like they have the support they need, mm -hmm. like, to prosper in the program? Do they feel like um, they're getting the right training to do well? Do they, are there, like, um faculty members and people in administrative positions that are ready and willing to help students do their best i think it's like i feel like i did it but i don't think i did it enough you know and i feel like it's just so important to do that because the program will always make themselves look like the most amazing place to be at which can be the case for some or many people but it doesn't always work that same way for everyone. And you want to make sure that 
like we're saying, like the word accessibility, like you want there to be as much accessibility in the programs you're considering. Like has accessibility built into it, like it's able to um, help students from all different backgrounds, like do the best that they can. So that's my biggest advice that I say. Well, that's awesome. Okay, and then I'm kind of curious, but I think it also would be a kind of a fun, cool thing. Um, I didn't really know much about lab, anything that goes on in a lab until I was in in, in my program. And we went yeah. to the Stanford um, lab. And so we got to see a little bit and got a tour about what it's actually like. And mm-hmm. that was really eye-opening for me because I was so unaware and like the media really has no idea what really goes on behind a lab. And so I just got yeah. a little fraction view on that. What is like one big or some misconceptions about a lab, like working in a research lab that you feel like you would love other people to know about? I'm like, we're not all pipetting. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're not all pipetting out here. Like, I love like those stock bottles that like have people with these like little pipette machines that like basically pick up liquid and drop them. We're not all making yeah. colorful chemicals out here. Like, like, I feel like that's what the, the, the media loves to say about, like, science. Like, yeah, colorful chemicals, explosions, or something. You know, no. that's Not, not, not all of us are doing that. <laughs> I think, like, I don't know if this is, like, limited to lab. But I always want to emphasize with people that science is slower than you think. <laughs> um, it takes time to do the work that we do. And I kind of feel like in general, like the public doesn't think that. And also science is ever changing and evolving Mm. and being proved right or wrong. So sometimes one person might say one thing and then a couple months later they say something else. And it's because things are always evolving. But I guess more lab specific, aside from the fact that we're not all mixing cute chemicals is that honestly like labs can range in like what they're even doing there's some labs that work with different models like if they're doing modeling types of work they're doing it in whole organisms they're doing it in cells some labs don't even use anything biological and they're using just technology some people some labs are computational and literally just people on the computer modeling stuff or creating code, like it's more than just people in lab coats mixing chemicals together. I don't know why I keep saying that, like no shade to the people who do that, (laughs) but it's just like, I feel like that's just the only idea people get, or like, I don't know, like they're doing weird shit with rats. Like that's not necessarily what's happening all the time. (laughs) Labs are so versatile. And there's so many techniques to learn. And cool stuff happens in labs. I think what I really love about this kind of work is that you're constantly asking questions. And when you get a result, it's not just a result and you're done. It's more like, okay, now I have five more questions because why did this happen? And it's like a never ending journey which is frustrating, but also kind of exciting. And I'm I'm more of like, I enjoy the actual, like hands-on aspect of lab work. 
I like running the experiments. I have like lab mates who think I'm insane for saying that because they're more about like the data analysis, like being on the, putting the data together and like making sense of it, which like I'm at that point right now. And it, I used to hate the idea of it. I'm starting to warm up to it. Like I, I was like, okay, fair. Cause like, I'm going to be doing all these experiments, but like, if I don't know what they mean, like, why am I even doing them? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you're this, you're on this adventure all the time. And yeah, no, I think, I think that's why I enjoy it so much because you're just, you're just exploring, you're a little exploring. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So um, I like to end I, with a couple of like fun facts or disinformation about um, like a Latin American country. So I'm like, oh, you're the first person I've been speaking to or spoken to that's from the DR. So I'm like, cool, well, let me get some information. Um, so I can go through that last first. Last. <laughs> you know, let me just go through this right now. <laughs> okay. So um, do you want to guess what month their national day is on? Like our favorite, our favorite month of the year. Yeah, National Day, February 27th. I didn't get into too much information behind that, but it's, I was like, okay, cool. Um, let me, I don't know if I can pronounce this right, but the indigenous um, Taino name of the country is Quisquilla. Quisquilla. Quisquilla, damn, I was so off. All right, well, I thought that was really close. I was like, I swear I speak Spanish. <laughs> Well, it's it's an it's based off the indigenous thing name, mm-hmm. so yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> and then the Haragua National Park. It's the largest national protected area in the Caribbean, five hundred thirty-one square miles, about one thousand two hundred ninety-five square kilometers. Um, about like half the land is used for agriculture, and they have some endangered species like the West Indian manatee. I love manatees are so cute. And um, the humpback whales go to the Bay of um, Samana January through March to mate and give birth. And so I was like, that's really cool. That's cool. I yeah. know that. Um, and then <laughs> some people from there, Juan Liz, um, Juan Liz Guerra and then Prince Royce. And then I actually didn't know exactly where Prince Royce was from, but I, I did know that Aventura mm-hmm. They're all from there pretty much, except for one of them is like half Puerto Rican, but they're all from the same. So I was yeah. like, that's cool. Hey, Latinos represent. <laughs> Listen, bachata merengue from the end. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Do you have any last minute like comments or shout outs or anything you want to share? Um, well, I feel like I have to give a shout out to our dear friend, Lewis, um, <laughs> because for making this happen. This happening. Um, uh, yeah, he has to get a shout out because this is why, <laughs> this is why this is happening. I mean, shout out to my friends and family because they're out here helping me go through the most, um, supporting me doing the most all the time. <laughs> um, and I mean, yeah, I think. Yeah, those are those are the people I wanna I wanna give shout outs to to all the people who believe in me all the time. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, again, thank you so much, seriously. I really, really appreciate you spending this time with me and like sharing the story of 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 yours. Um, well, on that note, thank you to everyone listening. Um, and until next time. <laughs>